Welcome to the Partnership Economy. This podcast explores the power of partnerships through candid conversations with industry leaders. Join our hosts, Dave Yavano, CEO, and Todd Crawford, co-founder of Impact.com, as they unpack the future of partnerships as a lever for scale and an opportunity to put the consumer first. Welcome to the Partnership Economy podcast. I'm Todd Crawford, your host, and I'm excited for today's show as I'll be speaking with Wade Tonkin. Wade is the Director of Global Affiliate Marketing at Fanatics, and we'll be diving into some exciting topics around media partnerships and the rise of content commerce. Wade has been managing affiliate and partnership programs for over 20 years with specialties including retail affiliate program management, affiliate recruiting, and affiliate consulting. In his current role, Wade oversees affiliate programs for more than 30 e-commerce sites, including the official shops of the NFL, MLB, NBA, and NHL. It was awesome to chat with Wade and get an inside perspective of Fanatics Affiliate Program, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, Wade, welcome to the Partnership Economy Podcast. It's great to have you on. Doing fantastic, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. But before we get started, I always like to kind of level set because I think most people are probably familiar with Fanatics.com or the NFL shop, but... I think it's important for you to kind of give us an overview of everything, all the moving pieces over at Fanatics, and then also a little bit about the team that helps you manage partnerships. Sure thing. Yeah, and Fanatics has grown a ton in the last, you know, especially the last three or four years. But I've been here almost twelve, and it's it's really grown from being, you know, kind of a, a small regional kind of SEC football power up to being a real kind of global anomaly. We, we've been through acquisitions and and just some, some amazing business deals. We've been able to put together a group of sites uh, that we power now, including you know, NFL Shop, NBA Store, MLB Shop, all the the big pro uh, sports league stores in the U.S., as well as a bunch of team stores including uh, stores for some of the top uh, teams in the U.S., like Dallas Cowboys, and internationally, Manchester United, Atletico Madrid, I mean, some, some real powerhouses. And we've been starting to expand even beyond that. Um, we're just getting ready to uh, hopefully bring on affiliate for the Olympics uh, moving forward and uh, expanding into the worlds of sports betting and uh, NFTs coming up. So really exciting stuff, huge brand coverage, global brand, multi-billion dollar company. And then on the partnership side of things, I've got a team right now, five people along with me, three based in the US, a couple based in Manchester, and a couple agency relationships that we have in place as well to help us uh, with some coverage in either in specific areas or uh, geographically or with kind of expertise around um, subject matter. So with all of the stores and teams that Fanatics represents, how many actual partnership or affiliate programs do you guys have right now live? Uh, 40 plus. It's a lot for five people. So that's amazing. Um, and obviously you've got some, like you said, some agency resources on top of that. That is really amazing. And I know, you know, we've talked a million times over the past decade or so. I always found Fanatic's approach to partnerships unique compared to what I would call, you know, other retailers, right? I mean, you guys are selling merchandise. People find what they like. They add to cart. They check out. You pay a percentage of the sale. All that sounds the same, but you guys have always kind of cut your own path in partnership economy in the sense that a lot of unique partnerships that I don't think people really think about. And what I've always found interesting in our our conversations over the years is it, it really makes you realize that there's so many unique partnerships out there that are beyond what people are think of as traditional affiliates, right? Which are, you know, obviously table stakes for a lot of programs. But can you kind of walk me through 
even just in the early days, how you guys stumbled upon um, working with, I guess, sites that didn't even think they were affiliates, right? And and how that really added a lot of value and got you access to consumers that you probably wouldn't have gotten access to. Yeah, I think we really had to jump on on something we're seeing in the industry in the last couple, three years. And, and we've been working with major media sites going back, you know, probably 12 to 15 years. And given the fact that we're working in the world of sports, it was kind of an obvious match for us because if you look at you know, newspapers, TV stations, radio stations, um, a big piece of their content and their following is based around sports. And people are coming back to you know catch up on their sports teams and you know what went on the night before, or maybe you know what kind of trade deals might be going down, uh, things like that, pretty much every day. So they were an ideal uh, type of partner for us to work with. And that especially boiled down to uh, when we were you know, working what we call hot market events. So it might be like a Super Bowl uh, championship, NBA championship, World Series, NBA or NCAA championship. Uh, these types of partners have access to a huge number of fans in the moment. Usually they've got you know a great audience on their actual site. They've probably also got big social media following. They've probably got a big email list. And so they're great for us to, to be able to connect with fans in the moment and connect them with that product that you know, they're super excited about. And so you know, that's one of the types of partnerships that we identified right off the bat that was one that worked for us. And you know, we've really been scaling up with that recently as the brands continue to grow. And especially as you know, I think the you know, performance partnerships have really matured as something that you know these media sites are looking at as as an actual you know real growth channel a revenue channel um that is more accepted um you know these these companies are having departments now that are built around performance which is amazing i mean the past selling these deals used to be a major league pain in the ass because we would have to come in and sell a sales guy who was used to getting an io signed cash on the barrel head and when we came to him and said hey you need to do this deal with us we're going to pay you a percentage of sales and then we're gonna, you know, can make it all work within a you know, within a month or so. And they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, I better get somebody else to sign off on it. Good news, there's VPs, directors. I mean, there's you know high level people that are responsible for deals like that. You know, in addition, you know, we go back and we look at influencers now, and we've been working with influencers for the last you know twelve to fifteen years. We just didn't call them that. They were you know somebody that had a, a following for their Twitter account around a team or around the sport or around. Jordan collectibles or, or something like that. And, you know, we were able to strike partnerships with these guys and just straight revenue share deals to promote our product. And they saw that it was a legitimate revenue channel for them. And so and we were just able to work out, you know, lots of great, you know, a lot of them are long-term relationships as well, where we've been working with people for years and years. And, and we've kind of, you know, watched as they've developed their whole business and turned into, you know, million dollar plus uh, promoters which is you know, just fantastic. And we've been able to you know, do some other things as well, like tapping into alumni clubs, tapping into supporters clubs for international football, um, YouTubers, I mean, um, streamers. I mean, we were pretty much open to any type of a, a partnership where you know, somebody's connecting with a community uh, that might, you know, that's engaged and that, that might be into our products. Yeah, that's what I always found so fascinating is that you guys were, again, creating affiliates right as opposed to working with existing affiliates a lot of these companies as you said that this wasn't their business model it took a lot of convincing i know some of like the sports message boards where people hung out to talk about their teams they even were nervous that their members would get mad that they were making money um, promoting to them and and they had to kind of like almost ask the the people that you know were were in those message boards for permission or if it was okay it was really 
like I said, very interesting that, you know, you guys have been doing something that I think a lot of companies today are just now trying to figure out and do themselves as opposed to just always working with kind of the same, you know, table stake type affiliates. The other, the other thing that I think is unique and I almost bet, I bet a lot of retailers are jealous is just this whole concept of you have, you know, sports, leagues, teams, and players that at any given time are getting the spotlight on them. And then I know you guys have done a really good job of of knowing which partners are best for those types of any of those kind of uh, moving pieces where you can instantly go when a player is, you know, MVP or um, just got drafted or traded or um, a team is is winning or, 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 you know, that you're able to quickly go to the right partners and get promotions in their hands to, to promote the merchandise. Yeah, the seasonality and timeliness is a really huge part of what we're doing. And, you know, it, it's kind of interesting as the business has evolved. You know, we went from having, you know, before we got in with MLB, we actually had a, a period after the Super Bowl every year where we had maybe between the Super Bowl and March Madness, where we might have a couple months where we could actually kind of sit back and you know, maybe do some infrastructure work. And now there pretty much isn't an off season anymore. And so it's it's really a matter of just making sure we've got all of our ducks lined up. We've got the kind of the strategy built out in terms of who we think is going to be a player as far as the different teams and you know maybe uh, you know, top you know, top players on those teams uh, so we can be kind of focusing on bringing on the partners that we need you know making sure that we're checking our CRM and that we have as many you know partners available to promote those teams and players as we can we actually do you know some work with our planning department here um, where they kind of forecast out who they think is going to be a big player for us in terms of sales revenue and then we you know go out and try to get ahead of that there's always an element of chase um, to where you know something doesn't go as planned. A team gets hot, a player gets hot, and you have to be able to pivot and be able to say, "Hey, you know, this team is you know come out of nowhere. They're making a crazy run. We should get behind this." And we've had some really fun examples of that, like Oil of Chicago, you know, a couple of years back in the NCAA's. It was a great story. It was so much fun to watch that unfold. And it seems like, you know, every couple of years in the NCAA tournament, you get this amazing Cinderella story that you can chase. Fans go crazy. And and the fun thing when you get a a Cinderella team like that is that those fans are going to buy multiple times. Because we might be doing, you know, a T-shirt when they when they busted everybody's bracket. We might be doing a T-shirt when they get into the, you know, Sweet 16 and Elite 8 and Final Four. So we might sell three, four products to somebody, you know, in that run, just because they're in that moment. Whereas if we have a team like a you know, Kentucky or a Duke or North Carolina, that is kind of always there, um, their fan expectations are crazy high. And so, you know, we try to sell an elite eight, you know, sweatshirt to a Kentucky fan. There's going to be like, eh, you know, we were supposed to be there. Why, why am I going to buy that? I mean, or an Alabama fan going to the national championship game, they, they kind of figure that's, that's just where they're going to be. They'll buy when they win, but they're not going to buy until then. But we're definitely in a in a position where you know, we're dealing with people that are passionate. We're dealing with you know moments where people are really fired up, and how partners execute on that can make a huge difference, revenue wise. I mean, if if they're on top of things, and you know the night the Super Bowl winner gets crowned, they get you know they get after it and they hit people up right away. You know they're going to do really well if they wait until that passion has subsided, or you know maybe honestly people might have sobered up a little bit. Next morning, it might not be, you know, as lucrative. And so we're, we're definitely dealing in kind of a, a fun business that's very passionate. And, um, you know, if, if people, you know, treat it that way, they can do really well. That's awesome. No, it's like I said, you, you, I always think of you guys as being in a 
unique position that I've just never seen any other retailer um, have all these kind of dynamics. So it makes for a lot of work, but you guys have also figured a lot of this out. So you've got the processes and everything you're going to do pretty down pat, which I think is, um, again, kudos to you and your team for for um, getting all this in place and and being able to just execute. So I want to go into some of my typical questions I asked during the podcast, starting with, you know, what's top of your mind right now? Oh, top of mind. There's a couple of issues with scaling the business. Um, you know, definitely uh, looking to just continue scaling up the the growth with uh, media partnerships because I think that those are you know kind of if you look at big rocks, you know, for moving the uh, the business forward. Um, those are guys that can move you know big pieces of business fast. And so, you know, given the fact that we're we're not really getting told no a whole lot anymore when we approach people, it's really about being able to ask at scale. You know, also, I think it's scaling the international business. You know, we're definitely in a little different place in terms of brand recognition overseas than we are here. Um, we're definitely starting to get, you know, make up some ground because we, we brand a little bit differently. We don't do a lot of straight brand advertising. We've just, we've always been more kind of direct response style. So if we're putting our brand out there, we also want to be making the cash registers ring. Internationally, we've been starting to brand up through partnerships with big partners. So, like we bring on, a, do a deal with like PSG, you know, biggest you know, football team in France. Having fans be able to see the PSG store, a fanatics experience, is something that over the course of the next few years is going to continue to build that brand. Same with Manchester United, same with Atletico Madrid, and so we're building the brand. Add through these partnerships and, and honestly, you know, the affiliate channel is, is helping to do that as well because we're getting the brand out in front of supporters clubs, in front of fan sites that you know that occupy those fans and have them coming back every day. So hopefully we'll you know continue to build that brand recognition down the road because it's just you know we're coming into you know new markets where you know, people just haven't heard of us. And it's it's makes it a little bit more challenging to grow the affiliate business for sure and you know grow the overall business. Loyal consumers who are openly passionate about your brand are great to tap for brand awareness and trust. Pair that with media partnerships who are open to feature your brand on their platforms and you could scale as much as Wade's team at Fanatics did. It's crucial to collaborate with real users and reliable media outlets to tell your brand story from a unique perspective versus targeting consumers with banner ads. We'll now hear about what's keeping Wade up at night. What's keeping you up at night? What's what's got you worried or thinking? It's funny. I think that every affiliate manager or director, somebody, anybody has a responsibility over affiliate, is going to say this never-ending debate around attribution and incrementality in the affiliate world. It still um, gets discussed, and I, I think we're in a pretty good position here at Fanatics because we've we've always built the program, I think, to be heavily focused on uh, you know these content players and these these people that have one-to-one relationships with fans. So I think that you know we've done a pretty good job of bringing partners to the you know to the to the game that we think are you know, driving some heavy incrementality. You know that said, you know you know a few years back the program used to be you know 70, 80 percent coupons and cashback. And we took a look at 
you know, a lot of metrics and decided that that wasn't necessarily where we wanted to focus our attention. And we didn't want that to be the backbone of the program. And so we've been kind of chipping away at that. And, you know, I think we've got ourselves into a much better position, but you know, there's still, you know, always a lot of, a lot of debate around different types of partners and our toolbar is really bringing anything to the table. Our coupon sites really bringing anything to the table. What's the incrementality of cashback sites? How do we balance all these different types of partners in the program in a way that is, I think, good for the business here from a bottom line perspective. And also is good for the shoppers because I think that you know shoppers have some expectations around, you know, hey, the tools that I like to uh, I like to use are going to be in place with my favorite merchants. Let's talk a little bit about what industry dynamics have your attention right now. I've got a lot of excitement as we look into the growth of TikTok, hopefully TikTok gets a little bit smarter and provides some better linking tools to their creators because I think TikTok has the attention of so many shoppers now. And if you, you look at there's there's a lot of stats out there in terms of you know how much it's becoming a, a discovery platform uh, for shopping. And I still think that the tools that they offer their creators are terrible. Um, I think that you know when we saw Instagram come out the last year. And you know, come out with the ability to have you know, link stickers on stories and things like that. Just making it easy to get an affiliate link out in front of somebody or a tracking link out in front of somebody changed the game there. And we saw you know, that continue to increase in, in terms of you know, contribution on uh, you know, within our, our different social media channels that we work with. Extremely excited to see you know, big media continue to lean into things. We're really hoping that we can start to do a little bit more with uh, kind of business to business type deals because I think more uh, companies are interested in that type of deal. With us, it's just a little bit challenging because we have departments that are tasked with you know going out and doing those kinds of deals as well. Usually, kind of on a more more of a paid basis in terms of you know being able to advertise on the site or you know to be able to hit you know hit our audience by email. So sometimes it's gonna be a little difficult for us to get inventory that we can we can swap around. But I think there's definitely huge opportunity for business to business partnerships out there with you know complementary brands. Are there other kind of I don't want to call it conflicts of interest, but uh, I guess uh, crossover internally when some of the initiatives that you guys are trying to do and other teams that are more maybe around like you said branding or Maybe, I don't know, say bigger, bigger biz dev deals. But I mean, how do you guys kind of uh, stake your claim or, or stay off each other's toes? It's been an adventure, but I think over the last uh, last couple of years, especially, we it's really become more collaborative um, because people have come to realize that we've got a fantastic tech stack um, that we can you know structure deals on that is, you know, pretty much limitless in terms of the way that we can, you know, put deals together and compensate people for things. And so I think in the past, when we had partners that would approach us, um, where we would have built out co-branded stores and, and maintained, you know, kind of separate standing stores for these partners, they started just to push those into affiliate relationships, which is fantastic. Um, it's it's a you know a lot easier for us to integrate. It's actually a better opportunity for them because in a lot of cases, uh, when we were putting together you know branded stores for people, we would have to limit the product offerings that they had due to you know different types of you know licensing agreements and things like that. So you know if we were working, for instance, with a, a broadcast partner that didn't have NFL broadcast rights, we would have to pull NFL sideline product from their stores. Well, that's a good percentage of what people actually want to buy. And so it's like, yeah, we can build this store, but you can't sell what people want. They kind of you know, took a little bit of the juice out of those types of deals. And when those deals started to expire, we started coming back to them and saying, hey, how about we do something different? How about we set you up through this affiliate infrastructure? You know, we go ahead and 
put them into impact, um, got them set up um, with uh, an aggressive deal, but one that was, you know, that was a good one for everybody involved. All the product was on the table and they're able to come in there and hit the ground running. And in a lot of cases, we saw those guys have, you know, business increases. So you had mentioned talking a little bit about crossover with broadcast media. What are your thoughts around that? It's it's something that we're testing more and more into. We've got the print media playbook pretty much figured out. I think we've had some good wins with that. And so now I think as we start to look into you know doing more OTT, I, I think there's an awesome opportunity for that on the performance side. And I, I know that you guys have been doing What's OTT? With um, you know, being able to you know, get into streaming, you know, people watching streaming uh, broadcasts and being able to insert ads in there on a performance basis, which I think is fantastic. And I know that you guys have you know, some cool partnerships around making that happen as well that we're, we're actually just getting ready to test. Being able to, to kind of take this whole you know, performance model into places that traditionally have been very cash up front and you know, being able to find ways that we can be more efficient and that we can be more measured with, with everything that we're doing and, and still be able to you know, laser target audiences and you know, get the right message in front of you know, the right product and the right message in front of the right people at the right time, I think has, has huge potential for, for this space. You know, I agree with you. I mean, a lot of these publishers that are today acting as partners and affiliates, you know, were all about display, maybe programmatic, you know, even just a few years ago, as you said, now they have whole teams and and whole sections of their website dedicated to performance-based content and offers. And I think those successes are opening the doors, like you said, for, for offline, you know, whether it's print or broadcast, I think that this is, um, you know, it's constantly evolving and it, it just makes this whole partnership economy so much more exciting than five or 10 years ago. I, I couldn't have imagined, I think, 10 years ago that it would be expanding the way it's expanding and the doors, like you said, opening from just, you know, one success, be, be, you know, creates another success, right? Or another opportunity to explore. Yeah, and I think that you know having you know social proof that you can roll forward has been huge for us because you know we've had some great wins with big media partners, and as media companies have continued to aggregate, you know, and, and cross over you know the different you know communications platforms, you know you'll see then now that you know what used to be you know pretty much a print company now also has broadcast or also has radio, and so if you can get in there and, and get a win. On one side, you can you know ride that up the chain, or you can point out that you know when you're approaching somebody new, you can say, well, hey, we we were able to do this with with these guys in this market when this happened, and it worked out well for them. And fortunately, you know we've we've taken really good care of our partners. We've actually got a couple that'll you know speak up for us if if you know if they need to. And you know, so it's we're not having to work as hard to sell that deal as we would have previously because you know when when somebody's taking on a new initiative like this, they want to know that they're not going out on a on a crazy limb. They're not getting totally exposed, and being able to point at another big player that's doing it or having them have seen an ad out there, you know, with somebody else that that was one of ours, and say, hey, this is you know, this is what they were doing takes a little bit of the sting out of that, takes some of the risk out of it and makes people, I think, willing to, you know, dive in and take a shot. And, you know, what we found with a lot of these guys is that we're, we're hitting their, you know, their KPIs. And so they just keep working with us. And in the end, that's what it's all about is if, if you can hit the KPI that they're looking for, you know, if you can beat the ECPM they were getting on the paid ad, you're going to continue to get in the mix and can at least match it. I mean, at least they're not losing anything, but if you can beat it, yeah. 
I think you just touched on something key is, you know, you have your metrics and you what you care about. But if you're not able to meet the partner's metrics um, and what they care about, even if it's, you know, you're paying them after the fact, but if it backs in to what they would have got up front or in the range, um, that's key. And I think, you know, being being upfront with them and then being upfront with you, this is how we normally would do this deal. And you're saying, well, this is how we do the deal. And we've done it with these other sites that are like you. And this is how it's backed out for them. They're, you said they're more willing to try, but I think it is a it is a two-sided deal here, right? That, that's, I think, what, what you're touching on that's really key. It's in the end, if you can't hit their KPI, I mean, they're not, you're not going to get the space. You're not going to get the mention. And, you know, I think one of the things that differentiates us in a lot of cases is that at least, at least what we're talking with, with print publications, we're, we're really not looking for the display ad. I'm, I'm really kind of over, you know, the standard IAB banner. That's not what I'm looking for. And so, you know, they can continue to sell those and get their CPM for that. You know, if people want to pay them for it, hey, great, more power to you, take the money. But what I'm talking about is, you know, get me an article with product content or drop, you know, a, a widget with a product image with a you know, little bit of a description and a call to action into your write-up on the game. Um, you know, bring that product into the the actual conversation. That's the stuff that's working. The content commerce is I'm seeing that that term coined a lot. It's it's not about that display buy or something about that display ad. I mean people can you know do what they will with those, but I, I'm really looking at, you know, hey, if we can get like maybe a nice product ad, maybe a lifestyle image, uh, something like that. If if they can do gift guides, if they can do top products for tailgaters. Uh, stuff like that. That's what drives revenue. And so, you know, hopefully we'll continue to see more of um, you know, these publishers building out their content teams, because I think that's you know, definitely one of the challenges that we do run into a little bit is that I think there's a lot of people that want to try this, but under, you know, having the right staffing to where, you know, they've got people that are, that know how to do this, that are, you know, that have really got the style nailed and that are tasked specifically with, Hey, you're going to crank out, 10 articles a day, you know, around our network, around a group of different merchants, and you're gonna you're gonna get these this stuff out there. That's what's driving for, for my money, that's what's driving the, the revenue, and that's what's driving value. Uh, because people are getting engaged in the content. That's my biggie with with the media sites and with you know broadcast, you know, maybe it's about I, I get really excited when I see you know, things like the Today Show doing you know, gift guide or gift guides and things like that, where they're doing, and, and they're doing it as an affiliate deal. I mean, that that stuff you wouldn't have thought about at all five, ten years ago. There's no way. There's no freaking way. You're paying a half million dollars to get your product on that show, and so you know, to see that stuff coming in, that really to me shows that our industry has grown up, and you know, to the point where we're we're being looked at as a legitimate growth channel by these major major media players that could make money otherwise. These media companies understand that the, there's a lot of content out there that they can produce that that consumers want. And this this content commerce is part of that. Um, even what the Today Show is doing, the, the response rates are are proof right there that, that that's what consumers want. So I think, you know, this is only getting bigger and better. And I, I keep saying this every year, but I've never been more excited about the partnership future and where it is today and where it's going. And since, you know, I started in 1998, it's just so much more dynamic, so many more players coming in and so much more, you know, 
proof that it works, right? That it, it's just paving the, the way for bigger and better deals. It just keeps getting bigger, it keeps getting better. So it's exciting. And I know, you know, as we touched in the very beginning, you guys have been instrumental in, in a lot of these partnerships way before content commerce existed. You guys were, were doing it um, at a really, you know, I would say micro level, right? You know, I mean, you're, you're dealing with a city that has two or three teams and you're able to give them great content ideas and great products. And they're able to integrate that into their, um, into their content and provide more value to consumers, exactly what they want, right? I don't want to have to do it myself. I want to read things and see that, that there's that jersey. I do want that jersey, right? Yeah, and I think that one of the things that uh, partnerships teams need to understand is that these deals, they're not super easy to track down, but they're also not super, han- they're not hands-off to support either. And so you need to have good relationships. You need to have really good, you know, CSMs that can have those interactions with those brands. Because if you want people to create commerce for you like that, you need to be feeding them the stories. You need to be feeding them the product stories. You need to be feeding them, um, you know, the, the promotional calendars and things like that so that they know what is in the moment that they should be, you know, that they should be writing about. Um, we've been really fortunate and that we've, you know, we've built up those relationships with some of the, the, big, the big players and they've turned into really consistent producers for us where, you know, we've got a weekly or, you know, bi-monthly call where, you know, we catch up, run them through the story ideas, kind of recap, you know, Hey, this is what worked really well last month. And, you know, it's gotten to the point where as long as we're, you know, keeping them in the loop on, you know, what, what they should be watching for coming up, they're pretty good at taking care of themselves in terms of generating the actual content, but it definitely was a process to get people there and, you know, to get, you know, get the team, you know, up to speed on what they need, what they're, what's the cadence, you know, what, what details do they need to make things work, you know, what's really going to pop with that audience. And I think that once you get that relationship built, you know, they, they become you know pretty cool and self-perpetuating and a lot of fun to watch. Well, Hey, I think we just covered great content and uh, leaves a lot of people, a lot of ideas on how to uh, expand their partnership strategy. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share all the hard work you guys have been doing over the last uh, decade plus uh, at fanatics. It's amazing. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to, you know, hopefully 10 more. As consumers feel more empowered and in control, traditional advertising is having less of an effect on buying decisions. Content commerce and consumer recommendations are now seen as the premier choice for brand awareness and consumer buying decisions. Though there are new ways to get eyes on a brand, it's important to note that consumers are honing in on recommendations from trusted sources. Content creators on TikTok and other social media platforms also play a huge role in the partnership ecosystem, since creators can share reviews and even links to shop directly on these platforms. I agree that it would be important for TikTok to release more consumer-friendly linking features, since consumers are now gravitating towards TikTok as a retail discovery tool. As social media and media sites continue evolving into platforms for discovery, brands, especially in retail, can benefit from another channel where partnerships with creators bring authenticity back into the picture. Thanks again to Wade for joining the show today, and thank you for listening. I look forward to next time.
Thanks for listening to the Partnership Economy brought to you by Impact.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts.